0: Oh. hey what's up listeners my name's tyler and you're listening to horror's home podcast today i'm going to be discussing the 2022 film halloween ends directed by david gordon green starring jamie lee curtis andy Maticek, ron campbell and james jude courtney who plays michael myers Check out my very first episode where I ranked all of the Halloween films in the series, then my second episode where I did a review of Halloween Kills. This is the final film in David Gordon Green's trilogy following Halloween in 2018 and Halloween Kills from 2021. It's continuing the story of Michael Myers escaping after being held in a mental asylum for 40 years following the events of Halloween back in 1978. I'm going to take a quick musical break and then spoil the plot for Halloween Ends. (laughs) So the film opens on Halloween night in 2019, 21-year-old Corey Cunningham is babysitting a young boy named Jeremy. He pulls a prank on Corey by locking him inside the attic. Just as Jeremy's parents come home, Corey kicks the door open and accidentally knocks Jeremy over the staircase railing to his death. Corey is accused of intentionally killing Jeremy but is cleared of manslaughter. So this opening started out in the typical Halloween fashion, it's a quiet house with just Corey who is babysitting Jeremy after his parents leave. I also watch John Carpenter's The Thing on the TV, which is a reference to the original 1978 film as The Thing from Another World is playing on the TV whenever Laurie and Tommy are watching it. A butcher knife in the kitchen goes missing as you presume Michael is lurking in the house. Then when Corey kicks the door open and knocks Jeremy over the railing, you actually see his body hit the ground, which most movies you feel like they would cut away from that not to show the violence, but Jesus, like wherever you saw this kid hit the ground, you see how his body hits it. Ugh. Um, that was a really shocking beginning to the film and a change of pace from the first two in the trilogy. Then we get pump- the pumpkin opening credits with the updated classic theme. Um, the blue font is a reference to Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, which had the same color font So back to the movie, three years later, the town of Haddonfield, Illinois, is still reeling from the aftermath of Michael Myers' latest killing spree in 2018. While Michael has vanished, Laurie Strode is writing a memoir, having bought a new house and living with Allison, her granddaughter, who is now a nurse. Meanwhile, Corey is working for a stepfather at a salvage yard. On his way home one day, he is taunted by high school bullies and injures himself in the process. In observing, Laurie brings him to the doctor's office where Allison works. The two of them start to flirt and mingle and alice and corey develop a relationship and later attend a halloween party there's all this crazy dancing going on and then corey takes off his mask and goes to the bar where he is confronted by jeremy's mother so we are now four years into the future after the events of halloween and halloween kills we see how laurie and allison have changed and coped with the killings laurie's no longer the anxious battle prepared woman she was in the previous two films um Allison has focused on her career even after the death of both of her parents. We also see how Corey has been cleared of the murder allegations and where he is now. But still, he's being judged by all the people in Haddonfield. Also, the town itself has been living in fear of Michael Myers' return. As every Halloween, when the tragedy occurs, he's believed to still be behind it, but there's no proof. But we see, like, these suicides and killings, and every time people were just worried that he's back. After having an argument with Allison, Corey leaves the party and runs into the bullies from earlier, and they get into a little fight. Corey tries to stand up for himself, and they throw him off the bridge. He's then dragged into the sewers and confronted by Michael, who eventually lets him go. On the way out, Corey is confronted by a homeless man. In a struggle, Corey stabs the man to death and flees. So we finally get to see Michael Myers in the sewer scene. Corey awakes, and as he attempts... He, um... As he attempts to find his way michael grabs him through the wall looking to his eyes he sees a reflection of himself as soon as that happened i knew it was literally michael seeing himself in corey so he lets him go and is immediately attacked by the homeless man he kills him in self-defense and then goes home and cleans up looking in the mirror but you can see that somehow he's changed later corey and allison they go on a dinner date But Allison's ex-boyfriend, the police officer Doug, shows up and harasses them both. He had pulled over Allison earlier in the film. Um, Corey later lures the cop, lures the cop into the sewer. Michael emerges and kills Doug to Corey's delight. So with the diner scene, Corey asks Allison why she doesn't leave Haddonfield behind since everyone there treats them so differently for their pasts, which Allison's like the survivor girl or her... Grandma's a psycho in people's eyes, and then Corey with his murder allegations. Allison explains her hesitation as she doesn't feel like she could have left her grandmother after that night. Then after Doug interrupts the two, um, their conversation, Allison clearly is all stressed out and tells Corey, let's burn it fucking down. Then we get a very 80s-like scene of the two riding on Corey's motorcycle in the night to some, like, dark synth music which really hit the nostalgic, like, 80s Halloween time vibe. After he drops her off, we see that Doug has been following the couple from the diner. He continues to follow Corey to under the bridge um, and into the sewer, where Corey antagonizes Doug, speaking to him from the darkness. The two of them get into the fight, and then Michael steps in, and they both take turns on Doug. He tells Michael to show him how he does it, and Michael stabs Doug while Corey holds him down. Allison is passed over for promotion at work in favor of a fellow nurse who is having an affair with the doctor. Later, we see the two of them at the doctor's home. The nurse discovers the doctor's body, who was killed by a mask-wearing Cory. The nurse is then killed by Michael. An unknowing Allison plans to leave Haddonfield with an insistent Cory because of the past trauma, while Lori becomes increasingly suspicious of Cory. After finding him sleeping in a spot where Jeremy died, Lori offers to help him on the condition that he distances himself from Allison. Corey retorts by blaming her for the events that have occurred in Haddonfield and says if he cannot have Allison, that no one will. I enjoyed the kill scene with the doctor and the nurse. Of course, we get the tribute kill where she was stabbed into the wall. It sounds like an odd dynamic, but Michael working with someone, but I don't know. I just like it. Um, I'll get more into that. On October 31st, Corey returns to the sewers and successfully fights Michael for his mask. Meanwhile, Lori and Allison argue as she plans to leave. And Allison, too, blames Lori for Michael's actions. That night, Corey embarks on a rampage, murdering the bullies after luring them to the salvage yard and accidentally killing his stepfather. He then goes on to kill his own mother, as well as a DJ at the local radio station who taunted him earlier. The thought of Corey overpowering Michael may sound unbelievable, but if you think about it, Michael's 65 years old at this point. He was wounded over and over in the previous two films. Meanwhile, he has spent four years in the sewers. He's not the fighting condition he once was in. Once we get the kill montage, like, it's really brutal. The kills felt creative, and there was some suspense leading up to it. Plus, I hated the bullies throughout the film, so I really loved to see them get theirs, as I always do in movies. Um, At the Strode House, Lori fake-attempts suicide to lure Corey to her, whom she shoots down the stairs Corey then stabs himself in the neck to frame Lori for his death in front of an arriving Allison. Michael suddenly arrives and kills Corey. A fight ensues, and Lori manages to pin Michael to the table. After a struggle, Allison arrives to help subdue and finally kill him. Lori and Allison take his body to the salvage yard by police escort, attracting the residents of Haddonfield, who follow them in a uh, procession. I think it's I say the procession and dispose an, an industrial shredder. So it's like a public execution. In the ensuing days, Allison and Lori reconcile, and Allison leaves Haddonfield while Lori finishes her memoir and rediscovers her, I'll say forced romance with Deputy Hawkins. So that's the end of the trilogy. Some foreseeable events regarding Lori's fake suicide, a trap for Corey and Allison arriving to help kill Michael. I did like Corey's plot to make it look like Lori murdered him as... He told Lori earlier, if I can't have her, no one can. Um, the fight between Lori and Michael was good. It was a little short, but it kept going, like with the multiple pinning stabs and interesting Jesus on the cross style execution. Then followed by Haddonfield gathering for the procession and seeing Michael's body grinded up, eliminating like the eliminating the possibility of any kind of return. To wrap up my thoughts on the film, I loved it. The route the story took focusing on Corey rather than Michael was a risk, but it's a risk that I think like, benefited the movie, and here's why. Look at the four film series of this storyline. The original from 1978 established Michael Myers and Laurie Strode, like their origins, both in this trilogy and all the films that were to come. Then in Halloween 2018, that film was the return and a platform for nostalgia several references to the original and leading up to what the sequels would become halloween kills was a rampage movie michael having such a high and gruesome body count and still providing fan service with the return of the quote legacy characters and new ones then on halloween ends it's been four years since the last two films events uh, because they both took place on the same night michael is in his mid 60s He's been stabbed multiple times fingers cut off beaten and in a fire on top of that he's been hiding the hiding for four years in the sewers living off of what or of who knows what like what was he eating to stay alive clearly so clearly not in the best health many wanted this movie to be another lori versus michael situation as we got in h20 but honestly Two characters in their 60s hunting one another doesn't sound like the most exciting idea to me. So, they went another route. Lori has been working on healing her relationship with Allison. The town has lived in fear for years that Michael will return. In his absence, the town filtered their anger and fear into a conduit. Um, Corey, for what he had done, that molded his character. He was... A time bomb until he was pushed too far, and then inspired not only by by Michael but also by Allison. I've described the story as very eighties Stephen King film plotline: the bullied kid becoming the villain, the romance point, the two of them riding the motorcycle in the night to the music. It just felt like eighties to me, especially like if you think of a movie like Christine. Like that's especially why I say like Stephen King. I'm watching Corey's character change, becoming darker and will do anything to get what he thinks is right. Even the cheesy elements like Michael seeing himself in Corey and taking him under his wing. I've seen speculations uh, that Michael possessed Corey in that moment, seeing what Corey had been through. I'm sure that was just like a visually dramatized representation for us as an audience to show that Michael could connect with someone, especially as later in the film um the two get into a conflict where cory wins which not surprising for the condition michael was in uh i guess i would have liked michael to be more in this movie but it made sense that he was like with the state of the town of characters like that he wasn't so present because it's not like he could just be killing from house to house and stay under the radar so overall my feelings are positive regarding this movie The story, the kills, the acting, and the ending. I don't believe it'll be the last Halloween film. If anything, it's smart instead of dragging out this storyline. Until the next Halloween installment, there's 13 films (laughs) to uh, fill that void of time. I give Halloween Kills a 5 out of 5. That might be my first 5 out of 5. I could be wrong. I really loved it, and I've talked to a lot of people about it, and I know it's definitely... Hit or miss for a lot of people but even whenever i've kind of made my points to them about understanding like kind of where the story's coming from and the characters thing it seems like people are like oh you changed my mind so no i really like this movie i've watched it three times since it came out and i love it every time i've been listening to songs from the movie so no i definitely check out halloween ends or if you i don't know if you've already watched it go watch it again and hopefully, some of the things I've said might resonate with you. Maybe you'll actually enjoy it more. Well, I hope you like this episode. Please give me a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And be sure to like Horror's Home on Facebook and Instagram. My name's Tyler. Until next time, thanks for listening.